the podcast, we hear from Mary Beth Lundgren. Mary Beth shares a lot about her life, and she got married later in life, but the first 54 years, she was single, and she's thought a lot about singleness to the glory of God, and in this conversation, we really kind of do a deep dive on that issue and how the church can be a blessing to singles, how the church can help singles not feel like second-class citizens, and how we can just be united as a spiritual family of God. So Mary Beth is a wealth of knowledge and experience. Um, She is a certified biblical counselor, and she has a lot of insight from the Word. I think this discussion is really going to help us be stronger as a church for the sake of God's glory and our joy. How long were you single before you married Jim? Yeah, so I was single until I was 54. So um, that was a long time. And I've been married now since 2011. So if you do the math, you can figure out Mm -hmm. how young I am. But um, (laughs) (laughs) um, yeah, I, um, I learned a lot over those decades. So I just think of like from college, when I graduated from college, I was 22, right? So it was 32 years Mm -hmm. from the time I graduated from college when it's kind of a lot of times when people are getting married or starting to think about being married. Um, And there were times that I struggled with being content with being single. Um, And so God taught me a lot about that. And I'll come back to that if you want. I've got, if you want to ask me some questions on that. Um, But I think I saw more than anything, God really teach me how to be content in being single um, and how what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7 is really true that when you are single, you can have an undivided heart in terms of serving the Lord. Now, was that always what I thought was best for my life if I had written the script? No, not necessarily. But I think over the years, God taught me that um, there really is truth to that, that um, being single really is a season and a gift that we are to use to serve God um, with undivided devotion. So um, he taught me a lot about that. I also realized that I have a heart that is fearful easily, so I can be fearful. And even that fearful heart played in sometimes to my um, singleness. Um, I think sometimes you've probably heard the term FOMO, yes. fear of missing out. Right. <laughs> so after I graduated from college and for the first 20 years, I worked in the corporate world and I was in sales and marketing. I worked for AT&T okay. and um, all my friends around me were starting to get married and start families. And I realized like I felt a little bit left behind yeah. and had a little bit of this fear of missing out on what my life should look like because this is what most people do they get married and they start a family and was there um, was there one aspect of of the the part of missing out on something that was more acute like missing out on being a mom or missing out on like where there's something that you that you feared that was very specific missing out on um I think I just feared missing out on kind of going through all the seasons that, you know, I had this idea of what 
normal people typically do. Yeah. And um, I was missing out on that. So oftentimes in social situations, I would find myself, you know, like if I was a place where there were lots of couples at a dinner party or whatever, and people were in different rooms. I mean, I'd find myself more with the men because they were talking about business often or things like that versus, um, and with the women talking about, you know, changing diapers and what schools their kids were going to and that kind of thing. So, um, so there was probably a little bit of missing out just on what should, what, what the trajectory of a woman's life should look like. Yeah. You had preconceived notions of this is what it means to be a woman. And am I missing out on that? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Interesting. Um, the motherhood thing, I definitely thought I would have children. I personally never had super strong, like urges for babysitting and things like that when I was, when I was growing up. So, um, I'm not sure that I had that as much as some women. I've met with a lot of women who, I mean, they really want motherhood, sometimes almost more than they want marriage. That's why they want marriage is to be a mom, which I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Mm -hmm. But um, so that wasn't as much a part of it. I think I just had this sense of sort of being left behind, like everybody else is kind of moving forward with their life and I am not. But I couldn't even identify that at the time. Yeah, that's you interesting know, I, to, to think about that phrase being left behind. Like I'm trying to figure out left behind, like what does that mean to be left behind? Can you put more descriptors around that? Um, maybe it had to do with just not feeling like I had as much in common anymore with people that I used to have a lot in common with. That makes sense. Okay. So a lot of my friends you know, I had some friends right out of college who got married. Then I had another group of friends that we would hang out and kind of do things together. And then slowly they were meeting people and I was dating too, but never obviously didn't, you know, wasn't in a relationship that was leading toward marriage for one reason or another. So I think as I started seeing my friends get married, I mean, I had one year where my sister and four of my closest friends, I was a bridesmaid in five weddings, you know? So it was kind of like this year, like, Oh, everybody's taking that next step and just feeling like I wasn't, I didn't have as much in common with people, which is really not true. I mean, I had a lot in common circumstantially, not so much, but certainly core values who I am, you know, these were Christian friends, but, um, I can identify with women that tell me they have that same kind of feeling. And I think the other thing is um, the fear of man, just what are people like, what do people think of me? Because people start drawing some conclusions about people who aren't married. I think men and women, you know, a lot of times sort of like, well, what's wrong with you? Yeah, exactly. Normal, you know, like (laughs) (laughs) you seem so normal. Uh, Like, yeah, that's, that's, that's hard. Yeah. So at one time I remember um, at a church in Indianapolis that I was very involved in, the pastor asked a single woman missionary who came up to the front to talk about her time in her country where she was a missionary. And he said, well, why have you never been married? And I thought, oh, this oh, poor no. woman, did he really just ask? Oh, <laughs> no. But she had a great answer. She said, you know, I've never met a man who deserves to be as happy as I could make him. Wow. <laughs> and of course, everybody laughed. And she said, that's my funny answer. Do you want to hear the real answer? <laughs> and she said, you know, I just believe it's not been God's will for me. And I trust his will for my life. Have I ever wanted it and not, you know, and, and been disappointed? Yes, absolutely. But 
you know, more than that, I trust God and what he has for me. So I just thought that was hilarious. I'll never forget that. I I think I can imagine that the, the fear of missing out is like all of my friends or relationships are having these experiences that are part of like what in quotes, the normal developmental process of being a human being like school, you know, dating, engagement, marriage, kids, empty nesters, nursing home, and then that's it or whatever. That's like, that's like a normal trajectory of the human being. And if you're single, maybe you don't experience it in that way. And like, does that make me less of a human being? I mean, does that, is that, does that ring a bell at all? Or is is that, you think accurate? Oh, definitely. Oh, definitely. I mean, I do feel like, and I've met with lots of people who have struggled with singleness. Um, And so I feel like it's, you know, it's a common thought process to somehow think um, I'm kind of a second class citizen in the world in terms of um, sometimes people say how the church, mm-hmm. you know, looks at me. Um, well, I want to get into uh, that. I want to get into yeah. that. That's a big thing. <laughs> okay, yeah. we will. Yeah, I have some thoughts on that. Um, but also just, you know, how the world at large, not just the Christian world, but the world at large, how um, how they view, because so much is geared around uh, marriage and family. Right. Um, so, yeah, I do think that's a common temptation to go there with your thoughts and again that's not looking through a biblical lens right right i mean if you read what paul i I actually wrote down the first corinthians 7 or typed it out here because you know he says he calls it um uh, better i believe right Mm -hmm. um so this is talking about remarriage. A woman is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she is free to marry anyone she wishes, but he must belong to the Lord. In my judgment, she is happier if she stays as she is. And I think that I too have the spirit of God. And then before that in verse 38, so then he who marries the virgin does right, but he who does not marry her does better. Mm-hmm. So do we really, I mean, do we really think what God says about that singleness is a very good state too in terms of the kind of life you can live yeah so let's let's camp out right there tell us mary beth um what are the blessings of singleness oh my word um really what he says the undivided devotion to the lord so after i left the corporate world i went to work on staff at my church in indianapolis and I had the blessing of being able to completely pour myself into the work of women's ministries, biblical counseling with women, coaching other women Mm -hmm. to learn to counsel and disciple others. I worked long hours and it was a pure joy. And I remember seeing a lot of the um, married people, both men and women, men pastors, and we have lots of women directors who really struggled with kind of that balance of there's so much still to be done here for the kingdom. And yet um, I need to go home and that's kingdom work too, right? (laughs) I need to go home and love my wife and care for my kids and do homework with them and eat dinner and, you know, and help raise them, help my wife, give her a break. And yet I think there was a real tension there. Um, And so I realized I can really give all the energy I have um, to the Lord and to his work in a different way outside of a home. And um, I think that really helped me with contentment to realize this is a good place. This is a good thing. Um, 
other blessings. I just think, um, I mean, the sky's the limit in terms of what you can do of where God might call you when you're single. Whereas when you are married, you have um, boundaries based on you have other people's lives and, and livelihoods, perhaps, if, if your wife works, to, um, to consider. And I and maybe that still falls under the same, you know, kind of undivided devotion and attention to the Lord. But to me, that's a real blessing of singleness. Um, yeah, those would probably be the the top two that I can think of. Yeah, I think I was talking to a, a single brother in our church uh, a few days ago about some of these issues, and I think sometimes there's a temptation to maybe overly romanticize marriage and family. I think mm-hmm. there's a, let me back up. I think there's a tension, not a tension, but like it's a both and in the scripture of the scripture that you just read. That mm-hmm. is like, clearly Paul is saying singleness is a great choice. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can handle it. Um, and obviously, you know, creationally, we know that God has a purpose for marriage and the picture of Christ in the church and how that functions in the world. So we, we can say biblically that that singleness and marriage both are good choices, right? But right. I think I can, I remember when I was single, I was single for 22 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember thinking about marriage and family but I wasn't thinking about the the challenges therein. You know, I think a lot of times, especially as leaders in the church, we can um, paint a picture of marriage being normal and marriage mm-hmm. being, um, you know, just, yeah, what everybody should do. And if you're not pursuing it, well, what's wrong with you? But we don't share. And I think probably maybe out of a sense of uh, maybe there's some shame or something. But the, there's times when marriage and parenting is really hard, and mm-hmm. and it's awesome uh, as an institution that God created, but it is hard. And right. so, in one sense, um, it's not the end all be all. And and for some people, maybe singleness is a, just a great choice. So, you know. I don't know, like now you've experienced both. I mean, I did too. You, you experienced singleness longer than I did. Um, right. But like, how do you reflect on, you know, there's strengths and, and challenges with singleness and being married. And, right. you know, um, how, how do you reflect on that from being single for f- 54 years? That's right. And then married now for nine Nine. Yep. Yes. And that's a big transition. And I would imagine there might be some grieving that you had to work through in loss of singleness. Mm-hmm. That's a great question. Um, I think God taught me so much that I needed to learn before I got married that has helped me in marriage. And I, I do think one of those things was just learning to be content with wherever God has me. So, um, yeah, marriage can be hard and I have a great husband, you know, my husband, he's great, but, um, you know, two sinners living under a roof. That's right. 
you know, there's times, right? People are tired, people, you know, are burdened with things and yeah, how conflict can happen. Um, and so I'm thankful that I had many years to learn how God wants me and us as believers to respond to those kind of things. It's been really helpful. Um, one example, going back to fear, would be, um, I think if I would have gotten married when I was really young, I would have feared my husband and not in the way that's like, I'm afraid of him, but like I would have put way too much burden on like, you are responsible for my happiness and I'm responsible for yours. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And that's a huge burden to place on anyone. And that's not what, how God wants us to live. Sure. He wants us to be thinking about how can I love the other person and, and, and make them happy and bring joy into their lives. But I also think it always goes back to how do I live to the glory of God first and foremost? And what does that look like and how I'm loving and serving my spouse? And, um, and then there's the so, chance of contentment in light right. of what you just said. Right. right? So, um, so I think that having, you know, 54 years, that was a long time. You can learn a lot in 54 years. Yeah. Um, I think that was helpful for me to enter into marriage because I didn't have probably the unrealistic expectations I would have had if I would have entered into marriage when I was younger. And then also being a biblical counselor and helping people a lot in marriages as a single woman, you know, so I'd meet with married women um, often who were really in difficult marriages. Maybe their husbands wouldn't come in. I only counseled women at the time at that church. And so um, if their husband wouldn't come in, I would meet with the woman. And so I was hearing about difficult situations, really difficult situations in marriage. And I think all of those things were used of God for me to enter in probably with a little more of a reality than I would have when I was younger. And, you know, sometimes I thought maybe that's good because mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. maybe you enter marriage <laughs> with some rose colored glasses yes. because that's what gets you there. And that's where God wants you. And he wants you to learn in that season of life, you know, so it's really ultimately up to the Lord. Where does he want you and how is he going to use either singleness or marriage or parenting, yep. whatever it is in your life to make you look more like Jesus. Yep. I mean, that's so, you, so you wouldn't say there was like a big loss that you like grieved um, the loss of something from singleness? No, I mean. Like any of the freedom? Like was there no. any loss of, you know, there's a loss of freedom, yeah. obviously. There's did that ever, adjustment. like, did you wrestle through that? Yeah, I kind of did. Um, but it was sort of silly. I mean, like, I kind of walked in and, uh, okay, so I'll give you an example. And I don't think Jim would mind me sharing this with you. But one of our first, and we don't fight that much. I mean, we might get in little squibble kind of things, whatever. But, but one of our first conflicts right away when we got married had to do with, and this is silly to admit, to um, admit this now, but it had to do with us, how we were going to kind of decorate the condo because I was moving into his condo. And I had said, well, there's really not that much I want to change. I like what you've done to it already. And he's like, well, there's not that much I want. I want to stay the same. So do what you want. Well, then all of a sudden he realized <laughs> that wasn't true. And I realized that wasn't true. Right. And I remember sitting at O'Hare airport on the way back from a trip with him and I was almost in tears, Zach. It's embarrassing. I mean, now I can laugh about it. But at the time, I just right. thought, 
can I even put a dish towel out in the kitchen? You know, like I, I just felt, I'm like, oh, when I was single, I didn't have to think about this. And again, I think there was some of that, you know, fear, how do I please my husband? But where, you know, so I was still kind of learning the ropes, if you will, you know, and like I said, we can, we can look back on that and laugh now about how small that really is, but sometimes yeah. the biggest fights come exactly. from the smallest things, right? Exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, so, but overall, no, didn't grieve a lot. Yeah, you you were touching on issue too that I, I've found myself talking to folks about a lot over the years, and that is the strengths and minuses, or um, strengths and weaknesses of getting married young, or getting mm-hmm. married later in life. Mm-hmm. So I think about myself. I graduated college married a month later and I look right. back at my 22 year old self and I'm like, man, I mean, that's like barely older than my oldest son now. And I look at him and the thought of him getting married, like, I was like, well, Oh my word. Like, and he's probably more mature at 17 than I was at 22. And I mean, we were just babies. We were just babies mm-hmm. and we didn't know ourselves at all. We didn't mm-hmm. know what we were doing. We, I mean, we didn't know anything. Mm-hmm. But the strength of that, I think, was that we figured it out together. So there wasn't much of a life lived independently. Um, Now, we had a lot of conflict because we were young and dumb and arrogant and, you know, didn't know what battles were the ones worth fighting and everything was worth fighting and too intense and arrogant and all this stuff. But then I think about someone that gets married later in life and the challenge there might be, man, you've got a lot of wisdom uh, because you've just got experience life lived but man that must be challenging because you can you know we get set in our ways you know right and i I, at 22 there weren't there weren't that many ways to be set into (laughs) you know what i mean um because i was barely out of college and living with the guys you know and right so i don't how, how do you think about that well i think you're exactly right and i i do think sometimes, and I'm sure that I fell into this, you know, way of thinking a few times, I think that um, as you get older, and you see people struggling in their marriage, or you have friends that go through divorce, which I did have some of those, um, then marriage becomes kind of this, like, oh, okay, that marriage can be really hard. And then that can keep you maybe from from wanting it as much. I don't know. Um, Although, yeah, I always, I think in the back of my heart, I've always desired it. But I feel like with, um, with younger people, you're right, oftentimes, you don't really know, like, kind of what you're getting into. And that can be a good thing. You know, mm-hmm. you just know you want to be with this person, right. and your heart flutters, you know? right. <laughs> uh, that there's some things about marriage that will be really wonderful. And you're excited to get to that point. Um, so yeah, I think, um I think that's good. And I think most people go that route, obviously, and they do grow together. And um, Jim and, you know, Jim and I were different. I was single for 54 years. Jim had been previously married and um, had learned a lot through, um, he calls it the failure of his marriage. I, I think, you know, it's really sad. Um, I had to talk to my pastor before I married Jim, just to get the blessing that, yes, his wife had um, remarried, his former wife had remarried. But um, yeah, I think he learned a lot and I learned a lot not together as a married couple. So we did, like you said, bring, I think, more wisdom, not complete wisdom. Obviously, we're still in process, but I think there's a real um, 
advantage in some ways to the maturity you might have that you bring to marriage when you are older. Yeah. So. I, I, I mean, I want to talk more about singleness, but I'm just fascinated by your story. Um, if, if it's okay to ask just sure. about like, I mean, if like for me, um, God forbid anything would happen to my wife, mm-hmm. but the thought of having to enter into dating again <laughs> at 44 or 54, mm-hmm. um, that seems like a unique challenge. Um, but I, I would imagine there's also a unique advantage because there's, I, I would imagine you could just kind of cut through all of the silliness that mm-hmm. oftentimes comes in dating at a younger age. Would you say that's mm-hmm. true when you and Jim were oh, dating? Ab- absolutely. And that's when, I mean, we met in December and got married in four months later, you know, which people are like, wow, that's really fast. Um, but I was 54, he was 60. Yeah. So it's sort of like, I mean, his friends were joking, like, you better get married now because you don't know how much longer you have. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I just think you know what it is you're looking for and, um, you know, kind of the core values, the love for the Lord. And yeah, it, it, it is very different, I think, than when you were a lot younger. What about uh, insecurities? Like, do you, would you say the insecurities of meeting somebody and dating, like there's always those normal insecurities that, you know, obviously you should be secure, your identity in Christ, but we're in process with that. And dating, I would imagine, always unearths insecurities, right? Sure. Are, are those insecurities the same? at 24 as they are at 54 or do you think they are different at 54? Mm, That's a great question. You know, I think they're very similar. I really do. I think, um, you know, because you're going into this situation, like, will this person like me? And then will I like them? And will they be, you know, kind of forthright with what they're thinking or do I have to kind of get, you know? So, I think a lot of it is still the same. And I know Jim and I both talked about how when we met each other and there was, you know, right away, just a, a chemistry, we could talk for hours, you know how that goes. And we were on Skype because we were long distance. He was Madison. Just like was a great friendship was, a yeah, friendship was yeah. forming. And just yeah. someone that, I mean, one week we talked 16 hours on Skype. Now, side story here, I get married to him, I move in and I realize I married an introvert. <laughs> and I had no idea because we talked so much before. Wow. But I mean, you weren't going to just, you weren't just going to sit on Skype and you know, right. not talk. So we talked a lot. And uh, so that took some getting used to like, okay, when does he want to talk? And when does he need time? Right. So that was kind of a side story there. But um, yeah, I think the insecurities can be, can be similar. But I also think the feelings of, you know, wow, I really want to be with this person. And when I'm not, I miss them. And I think about them a lot. And, you know, you kind of go back to high school or college days, even at 54. And those, those flutters in your heart. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's sort of like, oh, this makes me feel young again. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. that was good. Yeah. So I think it's probably the same. Is it, um, has it been hard for you with Jim being previously married? Like, can you, like, I could, if I put myself in your shoes, I can mm-hmm. imagine being like, well, he spent all those years with this other person, mm-hmm. like comparison or 
other issues that could come to the surface. Is it, is that something, how, how do you work through that? Mm, yeah, that's a good question too. I, um, I think I kind of purposed in my heart that I was not going to do that because I mean, I, when we first got married, I asked lots of questions just because I was more curious. Mm-hmm. Um, and because that had been a difficult marriage, um, you know, I think it was more he purposed, like, I don't, I want some things to be different about our marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, I just thought I'm not going to allow myself to spend time there because, you know, that's not reality, first of all, because she was in a new marriage. And because I just felt like Jim had chosen me, we're going to work on our marriage, but I was curious sometimes. And he would say things like, you know, I mean, he'd been divorced for probably five, maybe four or five years when we met and she had been remarried for probably three and a half of those. So, um, you know, I used to ask questions and he'd be like, well, I don't think that much about the past anymore. You know, I kind of, I'm living in the present now, you know? Um, so I, that was reassuring to me, you know, that he was living in the present. He was living in, in our marriage. I think, I don't know why, and maybe this isn't right. I've had friends who have married people whose spouse has died Mm -hmm. and who had a really good marriage to that person. And I think sometimes that can be a more difficult situation because you're comparing yourself to a very positive situation versus a situation that was more difficult. And again, none of that is kind of taking things through a biblical lens, but just kind of a common temptation as a human struggle with those kind of things. Yeah. I can just see that being a unique, a unique challenge. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And again, if I was younger, would I have been that intentional? I mean, really, I remember Zach saying, I'm not going to spend a lot of time thinking about what their marriage was like as much as I'm going to spend putting energy into what I think God wants our marriage to look like. Yeah. Yep. So I can see how that would really be a blessing to, to fight for that perspective. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well, let's, let's switch gears. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I I really um, appreciate that. And I think that's instructive on a lot of levels and, um, I really appreciate your honesty, but in terms of singleness, like how can we as a church, so I'm thinking Vine Church, but you know, you've experienced a lot of different churches in your life. And mm-hmm. so maybe we could say big C church, but obviously the principles apply to the Vine. How can we as a church really be a blessing to single people? And maybe you could share ways that you've seen that in practice in local churches mm-hmm. and ways that mm-hmm. you've seen it not be a blessing. Um, where you've seen the local church kind of screw it up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'd love to hear your perspective on that. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, yeah, I think one thing the church can do to really bless single people is to include them. I think it's really easy for people, once they get married and are coupled, to want to mostly hang out with other couples. And I really appreciated people who didn't look at me and think, oh, she's really in a different spot, so we don't want to hang out with her. I, ha- I can think of several married couples 
who would invite me over for dinner. So it'd be the three of us um, or the five of us if they had two couples there. Um, so I just think community is really, really important to God's heart. And also when you're single, it's just harder to be in community. I remember right. I used to think one thing I love about marriage, side note here, is if you're tired on Friday night, you've had a busy week at work or whatever, but you don't want to be alone, you don't have to go out to have company. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, you can like hang you out in your jammies. And can, yeah. <laughs> and I do, believe me. Early COVID, in the winter. COVID brings out the jammy <laughs> pants. <laughs> so I just think um, I really. I really love that. And I tell Jim that all the time. I just love the companionship that's right under my own roof. And I know that singles long for that and don't have it. So what are ways that married people can really include singles? And um, so I just think that's, that's maybe one of the top things and it's easy. That's not a hard thing to do. Yeah. So encouraging families to remember Yes. And as you're adopt. remembering, adopt, <laughs> include, be proactive. Yeah. yeah. Um, like what are you doing at Christmas? You know, we had a friend um, in Indianapolis. My sister's family is in Indy and that's my only family. So I would hang out with them on holidays. And I had a girlfriend um, who was also at the church and she was single, never married. And she was from Washington state. And so my sister said, well, just invite her to our house for holidays. And so for probably six or seven years, she has now moved back out to Washington State to be close to her aging mother. But she spent Thanksgiving and Christmas. It was just like an expected thing that Vicky was going to be with us. Yep. And my sister's kids loved Vicky. And Vicky brought huge platters of cookies because she was this great baker. So they really loved Vicky yes. <laughs> when she would come at Christmas time. So I just think look, being intentional and looking who is there out there who maybe doesn't have community or family. And, um, that to me is really a big thing. Um, the other side of that though, is the single person needs to be open and willing to do that. I mean, I think sometimes single people can miss the gift of family within the church. That isn't your traditional family. It's not biological. Right. Yeah. So I think, you know, I've met with people in the past through counseling who have been like, but that's not the way I envision, you know, I want my own, you know, kind of, and so I'm thinking, okay, maybe that's right there where God wants you to be open to a different picture of what family is going to look like, at least in this season. Yes. And so I'm thankful that I loved being with people and families and, you know, just being included in that was such a blessing. So that's one thing I think that's really easy. Yeah. That people one of the things it. that I um, have had explained to me by a really good single friend, um, probably one of my best friends in Madison before he moved away. Um, uh, interestingly enough, we, we tried as, as our biological family to do a similar thing with him where we just kind of had, we called it, you know, quote, family night. Um, mm -hmm. And he came every Thursday night and it was kind of like just a set deal because we wanted that for him. And so we tried to practice what you were saying and not have it just be, I've heard uh, one of my single friends say like a lot of times I get like a carte blanche, just come over whenever you want. But 
that's not uh, the same as, hey, we're having dinner tonight. Can you come? Because right. it puts the 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 other it puts the single person in the aggressive position of having to initiate as opposed right. to being able to just respond to an invitation, right. which feels and different, right? Oh, absolutely. And to the single person, often that's going to feel like I'm inviting myself. Right. Even if there's carte blanche. Family. Right. Right. And so to, for someone to say, hey, we're having a cookout Friday night, come over or yeah, yep. Yep. whatever. And now I completely agree with that. So that's, that's one thing. Um, I think the other thing, oftentimes Christians, because we do have a high view of marriage and family and so does God. So this mm -hmm. is good. But I think sometimes we can give the message to single people, you need to get married. You know, like there's this underlying current of, um, can I fix you up with someone? And not, I mean, I always appreciated that's how I met Jim, a friend of a mutual friend introduced mm -hmm. us. So it's a great way to meet. But I think, um, I think sometimes just getting to know singles and valuing them where they are and maybe finding out from them, is that something you you want in your life, you know, yeah, so getting to know people, right. Yeah, like before, but not make this assumption, like either what's wrong with you. Cause you're not married. Right. You know, people used to say that I know. and, or, or, you know, um, I've got this great friend. Well, maybe this person doesn't want that. So yeah. just trying to find out where's this person coming from as you get to know them. Don't assume ask, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's, that's, so that's another thing. That's good. Um, and then I think, we used to have at the church um, where I was very involved for 16 years down in Indy, we used to have a marriage and family month. And I remember some of the single people would be, you know, oh, I'm not coming to church that month. It's marriage and family. And so our pastor began to make a point to really also um, include messages about singleness, but also to say often to single people, you know, there's a good chance that those of you who are single will be married someday. And there's a good chance that those of you who are married will be single again someday through yeah, either that's really insightful. or divorce. You know, so it was so there was sort of this sense of like, even though these messages may not speak directly to where you are now, there's really helpful things in these messages for a season you may find yourself in later. And then not only that, but you know, how do we honor other people's marriages as people who are in the church. So I thought that was really great that he really, our pastor really uh, focused on everyone during marriage and family month as best he could. Yeah. Um, I think that's so one of the best things for pastors is just simply keep in mind that not everyone here is married and just keep that on right. your brain. So for your sermon right. application, it's not right. always, well, you, if you're dealing with, um, selfish ambition or whatever in your marriage, it's going to look like this. And then you end the sermon. Right. Or here's the application for married people. But like, no, this is an application for single people with roommates or single people with their parents or brothers and sisters or, you know, um, I think that's that's really helped me is just to remember, OK, who are my people and just who's right. out there? They're not all married. Right. You know, right. Right. And we can make single right. people feel ignored, you know. Right. Or like somehow, like I said earlier, kind of a second class citizen in the church mm -hmm. versus someone who has. um you know, gifts that God has given, how do we assimilate them into the church? I mean, we had, um, and our church was, was very large. I think we had like probably 20 elders. It was a large church, but 
there were a couple men who were elders who were single. And I thought that was really, really good. Um, you know, to have not just married elders, yes. but to have single ones as well. So, yes. um, and then I just think, you know, how are, how are we encouraging singles? I think a lot of times singles can feel like they're in waiting. You know, they're waiting for that next season of life, which is marriage. And that's sort of the end all be all. And so they're just waiting. And, you know, how can we encourage them that actually this season is probably the season when you can serve God, again, what Paul said, with undivided devotion, because you have a lot of freedom and a lot of independence. So how can we, you know, you know, really help you to use your gifts and serve that said, I also know sometimes single people can be viewed as like, oh, you're single. Yeah, exactly. You've all the time in the world. <laughs> I expect you so, to serve 20 hours a week at the church. That's right. Why, why not? What they yeah. forget is those single people are one person oftentimes running a household. Yes. So the single person is working 40 or 50 or 60 hours a week in a job. And they're also going to the grocery, you know, cleaning the house, whatever. So I think we have to we have to find a balance. Yeah. I got free labor in my house to shovel snow. I mean, that's, that's (laughs) That's a blessing. And mow the lawn. (laughs) So yeah, I remember talking, I remember bemoaning that with a few single women friends, like, you know, but they've got a husband who can help with that. And we're doing, (laughs) we got over it quickly, but you know, sometimes we, yeah, absolutely. Talk about that. So yeah. um, I'm trying to think of their other things in the church. Again, just, um, I still or, or think things not to do. Well, I think, you know, the, why aren't you married? And yeah, what, know, what, what are horrible things that people have said to you like that? Are there other ones? Like I hear from other single friends, like at a wedding, they'll, they'll be like, Oh, don't worry, honey, you'll be next. Right. Or they're about to throw the bouquet. So get over there, you right. know, and, Oh, that was a nightmare. But, um, yeah, I would usually find out when that was going to happen and be sure that was about the time I needed to go powder my nose. <laughs> 20 minutes. So anyway, um, yeah, I just think, I just think not making the assumption that you know what every single person is all about and just getting to know them just like you would with anyone married or single, but just, um, you know, because some, some single people in your church may have just gone through a really hard breakup. Um, that they didn't want, you know, or that they did, but they're feeling guilty because they just broke someone's heart or, um, yeah. So I just think, you know, getting to know single people as people and, um, asking appropriate questions, but not the, you know, well, when are you going to get married? Right. (laughs) Just like, when are you going to have a family? I mean, that it's similar when, young married couples, you know, and those who are struggling with fertility, it's the same kind of thing where people can ask questions that they have no idea. Like, are you going to start a family? And it's like, you know, they're thinking, well, we've been trying. It's very painful. But I just don't want to talk to you about that right now. Yeah. So just, you know, (laughs) open-ended questions. I mean, maybe asking the question like, Hey, have you ever thought about marriage and what are your thoughts on that? And how can I be praying for you in that? You know? Um, yeah, then you might learn that that person um, isn't really interested in being married right now. And then you can be like, right. oh, great. Well, tell me about that's that. Right. And what are your yeah. hopes and dreams for your life? And right. yeah, it, it, it strikes me and, I, and I, um, I'm really sorry that I 
didn't learn this sooner because I know I've probably heard a lot of people through assumptions um, mm-hmm. and not asking. And mm-hmm. I've, I've seen that over and over again in my life through myself and other people like, man, we just harm people when we assume things and don't just ask them. And oftentimes when we ask is when uh, that person feels honored because you didn't assume and you asked and you listened. And then that has a chance to really build a relationship through genuine curiosity as opposed to like, no, I've got you pretty much figured out. It's like, well, maybe you don't. (laughs) Right. And I think also I've learned because I've not always done this well, but I've learned to ask you know, I'm, if I'm asking something that's too personal, please tell me, is it okay if I ask you a question though or something, you know, and please, and, you know, so that you're kind of addressing the fact that I'm, I'm entering in now to a more personal area with you. Mm -hmm. And so it's probably not the first question you want to ask someone who's single, you know, like, just tell me about you, right? tell me your life, you know, what do you enjoy doing? And yeah. And not uh, all people are the same. Like my wife and I are like an open book. Like we could tell us a a perfect stranger, anything, you know, we we have very little um, reticence to be as honest as people are willing to hear. Um, But not everybody's like me. And I need to remember that. I need to remember that like, well, maybe I can dial it down a little bit because not everybody's like me and not everybody wants to be as honest. And yeah. I'm the same way. I'm pretty open as well quickly with people. And Mm -hmm. so therefore I do think it's important just to get to know the person on a, you know, on a more general level Mm -hmm. of what they enjoy doing and are they working right now? What do they do? Do they enjoy their job? You know, just things about their childhood or, you know, whatever, just um, more general questions. So they have a pet. Yeah. Yeah. What's your dog's name? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I wanted to share something that really helped me kind of hit home about the single experience that I had never really Mm -hmm. thought about before. Okay. Um, my one of my best friends who was who is single explained it to me like this. He's like, when you are on a trip and your plane lands, the first thing you're thinking of is oh, I need to text my wife and tell her that my plane has landed. And the first thing your wife is thinking is, I wonder if Zach's plane has landed. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't land or something, like there's somebody that's thinking about you yes. that you're accountable to and you're connected to. And he said, like, when my plane lands, I'm not texting anybody. And no one's wondering if my plane was on time or not. And that just struck me like, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I feel that now in a different way. Right. Yeah. No, I, I know exactly what he's talking about. It's like, nobody really cares about the mundane details of my life, you know, right. <laughs> like maybe that was your parents when you were growing up. Right. But now there's like, you know, there's just kind of this void of, yeah, because I mean, if your plane lands, it's not like you're going to, you know, text your friend and say, Hey, my plane. Exactly. <laughs> Unless your friend is in the city you just flew into. And, right. You know, so those kind of details that are very, you know, in the big picture, kind of less significant details of your life. But you're right. That's something you share with a spouse or a significant other. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I just never thought of it in those concrete terms of being connected. and Right. And that just sense of I want to be connected. I want to be the primary 
relationship for somebody. So another example would be yeah. um, kind of turning the corner now to those that experience same sex attraction mm-hmm. and like you have a friend, let's say, uh, let's say you have a friend who um, is going to get married, but you experience same sex attraction. And so you don't think you're and but you want to stay faithful to orthodoxy and you want to stay faithful to Jesus. And so you've committed to celibacy. And so you've got a best friend who's a guy and he uh, gets married. There's this aching loss of like, I used to be primary and now I'm not primary anymore. Mm-hmm. And just wanting that feeling of being primary, you know, mm-hmm. like somebody really genuinely covenantally cares about me. Right. And so, man, I just feel like for the Big C Church, um, for us to really be salt and light, one of the aspects is how we think about uh, same-sex attraction and those who might be Mm -hmm. committed to celibacy Mm -hmm. and this whole understanding of the goodness of singleness. Like if we don't have that as a church, Man, we can just harm people and, or resign people to just despondency because they always feel like no one understands what I'm going through. No one cares about what I'm going through. I'm on the JV team while everybody else is on varsity. Mm-hmm. And there's this crushing loneliness that can be experienced that I just, I really deeply desire for the church to, um, the Vine Church and Big C Church to have that on the radar. Mm-hmm. No, I think you're absolutely right. And for someone like that who thinks so because of my same-sex attraction and and desiring to live life in an honoring way to God, that means I will be single for my life and be celibate for my life. I think it's even more important that the church be reaching out to those people and getting them into community, like I was talking about earlier. I mean, I think that is the number one thing of how a church can love single people is just saying you're a part of our family and and making sure that those people aren't alone a lot. Now, granted, that person also, I know I've just been reading a book called Finding God in My Loneliness by Lydia Brownback, which Mm. is a great book. And Um, I know that God has things for us to learn in our loneliness too, right? But I feel like there's a balance there where, yes, God may want a person to be learning. How do I I love God? How do I lean into my relationship with God more than anything else in the world? And yet I also feel like it's important that we are providing opportunities for single people to have community in the church. Right. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So there's this, this balance of what God is teaching and, and how he's transforming this person through um, really the fellowship of suffering. I think of, you know, Christ was a man of sorrow is acquainted with Amen. grief, you know? Amen. So, you know, how do we, how do we learn what God has us to learn in the disappointments and the hardships and trials of life? And yet how do we feel um, very much a part of the community of the body of Christ. And so, um, yeah, that's yeah, my that's desire. Right. That, yeah. That's why we intentionally talk about the vine family. Like mm-hmm. that's not just an mm-hmm. accident that we use that language. Like language helps create culture. And my desire Absolutely. is that we would not just be, 
um, little small biological families that happen to show up in the same room on a Sunday morning, but we actually view ourselves as a vine membership, non-biological, spiritual family. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that has to do with single people. Right. Yeah. I mean, more and more in our culture, there are single people, right? I think I read somewhere not long ago that over 50% of the households in America now are of adult households, which I guess, yeah, households are um, people who are not married. So, you know, it could be people who are, there's also cohabitating together, but there are a lot of single households uh, in America now. So, you know, how are we reaching out to those people, even thinking about evangelism, you know, to people who don't know Jesus. Um, Just that, yeah, I think that's really, really important. So that's a very good point. Yeah, I appreciate that, Mary Beth. Um, I really desire for our church to be a place that's safe for singles and um, celebrated. I think this is another reason why uh, we just need to know our Bibles, Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of cultural assumptions mm-hmm. that we can just pick up that's just kind of in the air in different mm-hmm. churches like the mm-hmm. bible never says that that um married people are better better than single people but if that's not something that's explicitly understood biblically right you could just you could just accidentally pick that up or or purport that in your church culture if you're a leader of some sort right. but like the bible is clear like it's not varsity team is married jv team is single i mean jesus and paul (laughs) were single so anybody that would want to devalue singleness um i think just doesn't really know their bibles at the same time we don't have to say that marriage is bad or or not a great thing either because obviously god created both so like a lot of other you know issues in the christian life there is a both and nature to what the bible presents um one doesn't cancel out the other or diminish the other so I just, right. I just, I, this, this whole issue stirs up in me like, man, we just need to know our Bibles. Like, what does the Bible say, you know, right. about singleness no, I or agree. marriage? And when it comes to being able to be singularly devoted to Christ, it does say in that way that being single is better. Mm-hmm. Right? Amen. I mean, Well, so. I mean, I, I, I think about this, like, I love to travel mm-hmm. and, um, man, if, uh, if I had the freedom to travel now, this, I'm not like trying to devalue my wife or kids, but I just know that if I were single, I would see the world, you know what I mean? Um, and that would be a blessing to me. Right. That's not my stage in life right now. And that's okay. And I'm content with that. And I am thankful for my wife and my kids, but, um, yeah, I can envision advantages in being single, but I don't want that in any way for anybody to hear that as diminishing somebody's pain or suffering. Like, right. well, here's all the advantages of being single. How come you're not happy? Like I wouldn't want to give anybody that impression at all, but um, I don't know. I do think it's important to reflect on whatever we choose because we live in a fallen world. There's going to be blessings in that. And there's going to be challenges in that. Mm-hmm. And so that I, I think coming back to your original point, I think would probably be a great way to land the plane here of just contentment, you know, how, maybe you could close our our discussion like this, Mary Beth, like how would you counsel someone to fight for biblical contentment? Mm, That's a great, a great question. Um, 
I'll end with a verse that helped me with this. Um, in First Timothy 6, uh, it says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. And I think so often in our minds, we think, so that's God's math, right? Godliness plus contentment equals great gain. We think godliness plus, and in this case, let's say a spouse, Mm-hmm. Or godliness plus a spouse and a family equals great gain. So we try to do a different math equation. Or godliness plus me going to Europe every quarter. <laughs> yes, to use your example. You're right. That's right. So I think that when I, I, I think I heard a sermon on this years ago, and I thought, you know, that is so true that I try to make the equation different. And yet God says the abundant life that I've promised you through Jesus Christ comes from growing in godliness and growing in contentment with wherever I have you. And, you know, Paul learned that in prison, right? I mean, in, in life circumstances that were much harder than things I've faced, and yet he learned to be content. And um, so I think I would encourage a person to recognize that any other way we're trying to do the math does not lead to the abundant life that Christ has promised us. So go back to, to putting your focus on glorifying God through growing in godliness, growing in contentment, and he will give you um, an abundant life. Amen. Well, Mary Beth, it's been so good to chat with you. You are a blessing to so many, and I think this conversation is going to bless a lot of people at the Vine and maybe beyond. So really appreciate you joining us today. Well, thanks for having me, Zach. It's been good to see you and hope you stay safe and healthy. I hope so too. Thanks for joining us today on the Vine Church Podcast. As usual, you can subscribe by going to thevinemadison.org. If you have any suggestions about podcasts you would like to hear in the future, don't be afraid to send me an email or a Slack message or a text. I would love to hear ideas you have about future podcast episodes. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you soon.